So this is All Things Tibet, episode 21. I'm Brittany, and we are nearing the end of our first season of this podcast. And today in our next episode, Taylor, unfortunately, is not going to be able to be with us because she is moving uh, from her hometown in Massachusetts back to Vancouver. And we're very happy for her in that. But as anyone who's ever made a move, especially, you know, one country to the next, we know that that can be very stressful. It takes a lot of work. So she just needs some space. But it actually... Um, sets us up for something that we've been needing to do anyways, which is introduce everybody to our friend Francesca, who is here with me today. I'm going to say hi. Hi, thanks for <laughs> having me. <laughs> so Francesca actually um, has listened to us for some time. And mm-hmm. over the last several months, we've kind of all become friends. And I don't want to tell her story for her. So Francesca, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, and, and tell everybody a little bit about how you came to be in the L Word fandom. Oh, okay. Um, so I started watching the L Word in January. Mm-hmm. I actually re- know the date it was January 16th. It's because I saw a fan cam. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, what? I probably should just get around to watching that. Uh, so I just kind of like turned it on one day and I became obsessed like most people do. And I needed to stop annoying my friends in real life about it. So I because they never care because they don't they They now actually now they care which is funny now they care eight months down the line but they they were kind of sick of me talking about it and actually like through Instagram on my Instagram discover page I saw your your Instagram about the podcast and then I was like oh let me listen to these people and see if they share my opinions so I have people (laughs) to talk to at least listen to and then you kind of just mentioned that you were on Twitter and I've been a part of fandom since I was like 10 years old. So I was like, oh, what's another one? Why not join another one? Cause I haven't really been in any in a while. So I was like, oh, let me do this. And I just kind of like made my Twitter and it blew up from there. And now I have like all these friends in a nice little L word community. Yeah. And actually last episode, we mentioned that um, Francesca is the one who got the personal invite from the Twitter the L word showtime, showtime L word Gen Q's Twitter account um, for us to be able to view the season premiere of season two early, which was a really cool experience. That was so much fun. Yeah, for sure. So my, I know my first interaction with you was when you had shared, we were like following each other on Twitter for a minute, but you had shared that in season six of the original series that Tina just butchered saying alphaba from wicked and i oh, she, i can't even remember how does she say it alphaba alphaba that's right and when you share that i was like oh my god i gotta know more about who this person is because like it's clear that you were paying attention close i never even caught it because i i didn't even make the connection that that's what she was talking about like i didn't it, it was because it was so far off base like i couldn't even make the connection in my head it's Well, I have to say I was just coming off of like a huge, like wicked reassure, like resurgence for me. Um, (laughs) I decided that I needed to go through my, my wicked phase, not only in 2005, but I needed to do it now again in (laughs) 2021. So I had just read the book. I just like watched all these bootlegs. Like I was literally just coming out of like a wicked, like um, comatose. Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> I needed to and then so now I'm watching it and like I'm a huge musical theater nerd and yeah. so for me to hear that I'm like wait a minute and I just kept replaying it and replaying it and I was like she's saying it's so wrong no one no one told her when I was in high school actually I I was not a part of musical theater but I had a lot of friends who were so I would go to a lot of the shows in our our high school and Kenosha was really um like really well known like they would go to um nebraska a lot and like go to that whatever i can't remember what it's called but um they would go there every year and they like compete and you know they put on really amazing shows and because all my friends were a part of it not all of them but a good amount um they would listen to musicals all the time when, when we would hang out and so mm -hmm. they would burn cds with the music on them and wicked was one of them so I knew I used to play it on my, my boom box, literally a boom mm -hmm. box, um, and play it when I was in the shower, if I was just at home or cleaning or whatever. And my mom surprised me in 2007 with tickets to see the show in Chicago. And she bought the tickets so early that we were basically sitting in the orchestra. Like we That's were amazing. like, we could see them. Like we were like one row over from them looking down. It was the coolest thing. And then they eventually came back um, years later and did the show in Milwaukee. Um, but yeah, Wicked's amazing. Poor Laurel Holloman. No one told her how to properly pronounce that damn name. Yeah, and when you go and meet her in London, I need you to send that message along for me all these years <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm very I remember, I think most of them have just like taken season six, oh. just thrown it in the garbage somewhere in their memory. They don't even, <laughs> they don't even talk about she, it. No, she won't absolutely remember. She'll be like, what did I say? oh i'm gonna hold on to that forever <laughs> i love it i love it um so today we're talking about season one episode 13 and um oh i guess i didn't even explain let me backtrack a little bit so 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 francesca is um actually going to be joining like she's this is her first official time on the podcast but she's also going to be like a part of the podcast with Taylor and I now. Um, as I mentioned before, Taylor is going back to Vancouver. She is restarting school again in the fall. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if you happen to just be on some episodes in the future, filling in for one of us, um, but also just helping us with things like social media and editing and things like that. Um, I gave her a really lucrative offer of no pay, no benefits for this job. And she took it gratefully. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you'll be seeing hearing more, um, because Francesca is very good at like, um, operating social media and, um, like interacting with people. And we're not so great at that. Like Taylor and I are both very guilty of just like putting our thoughts out there and then running away. And then you won't see us again until we have another opinion. Whereas like Francesca is very good at interacting with folks. Hence, how your Twitter account and your interaction in the fandom happened so quickly. Yeah, it did. Like, I just, yeah, you just got to dive in and just talk to people. Yeah. And you were like super active with making fan cams and all sorts of stuff. You really just jumped in head first. We love that. For anyone that was lucky enough to get their hands on the L Word book that was put back up for sale on Jennifer Beale's website yesterday, which was Sunday, which was August 15th, um okay. that is because Francesca got the inside source from another person on Twitter who then put it out into the world and just like we thought it would they sold out within hours yeah I don't know how I'm, many copies there were but not enough I'm calling it L word book gate <laughs> that's 
That's perfect name for it. Because it did. It sold out what I felt like 1030. I, I looked at the tweet and by, by 1130, I mean, by noon, at least they were gone. Yeah, they were gone. And everyone kept saying like the website's crashing and what actually was happening is they were just out of them. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. We both ordered one of those. I'm excited for those to come in. Um, I will not believe that I have it until it's in my hands. Like I just don't, there's just too much. It needs to be in my physical hand. And then I believe that I own one. That's kind of like Laurel's prints. Cause my, I don't know about yours, but my, the one I have took what felt like a lifetime to get here. I think I waited seven or eight weeks. They took, it took some time. So I'm like, I I don't even know if I'm ever going to get this. No. Like I knew it would eventually show up, but by the time it got here, I was like, oh yeah, I did order one of these, didn't I? Like you almost forget. Yeah. That, yeah. I was like, what? My neighbor actually saw it rolling around in front of my apartment. <laughs> that was a whole thing. She's like, I saw this rolling and I just had to go pick it up. And I was like, thank you. I've been waiting for this. And it literally was rolling away from my front door. <laughs> you almost didn't have it. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> okay. So yes, today we're talking about season one, episode 13. This is, um, Locked up. It's the name of the episode, right? Yeah. And this is the episode where um, Bet and Gang, uh, of course, get locked up. That's the mm-hmm. whole point. And um, this is when we start to see more inappropriateness going on with Bet and Candace. Mm-hmm. Now, part of me believes that Taylor might have um, adjusted her move to be so that she didn't have to talk about these episodes now yeah now that i'm convenient now that i'm thinking about this she was dreading this so much that i feel like she set it up so that she wouldn't have to do this um and you're lucky now now you get to sit here with a bet apologist all night (laughs) exactly i don't have my normal tina tina uh stan echo chamber going on here so I guess let's jump right in. The first scene that we see with Tina in, in uh, episode 13 is when Tina is already like up for the day. She's basically out, out the door and Bet walks in her robe and is like surprised to see that she's already up. And um, basically Tina's got a really busy day ahead of her and Bet kind of casually asks her about her dry cleaning. And Tina basically reminds her that she has an assistant and James that can go get it. Um, this scene is... These scenes, when it comes to like work with Bet and Tina throughout the whole series, they're always very interesting to me because I feel like when Bet works, it's just like, that's just every day. But like mm-hmm. when Tina has stuff going on, it's almost like Bet's always surprised that she might have commitments. Do you, do you feel I know, me on I, that? No, I totally agree with that. I think when I think for Bet because they made that I think because when they made that conscious decision to have kids like Tina was going to take a step back from work and so when Bet wakes up and is like walking out and is like oh wait this is like a totally new view like Tina is getting ready for work and she looks amazing in her sheer top and she's like <laughs> drinking her coffee like and like she's just getting ready for the day and like to Bet it's just so surprising to see it and I wrote that, that, that Bet's like trying to be excited for her but she's also extremely confused yeah and so she's just being very bet and is like confused but excited and just like trying to figure out what's going on. And then I knew you're going to bring up the dry cleaning. It's a hot topic for a lot of people. And <laughs> it's like, you know what? This is where I'll be in the bed apologist. Tina dropped it off. There was an assumption that she was going to pick it up. But you know what? I think like it was handled okay. Like I don't think T- I don't think that was like pissed off that it's like, oh, make someone else go do it. I think she was just shocked that Tina like stood up to her and was like, no, I'm, I'm going. I have something to do today. Well, and I guess to be fair, and I don't stick up for bet a whole lot, but I, I, in this case I will, because, you know, 
Tina's character for many episodes in season one was kind of shaped like this very submissive wife mm-hmm. and like very much like stay at home, like do what you will for, you know, 1950s housewife. And it's only at the end of this season and of course into season two, when we really start to see her in her more feminist glory mm-hmm. that, that we realize, like, oh yeah, she does still have, like she does have like her own two feet to stand on. Oh, definitely. And I also think too, like, you know, riding off the coattails of them losing the baby is that Tina is taking all her energy and emotion and putting it into helping people and this job and working with charities and stuff where Bet is still trying to navigate how she handles this emotion. And now she's looking at Tina who seems very unaffected by everything and is just going about her day. And I think that shocked Bet along with just seeing Tina go off to work shocked Bet. And I think that a lot of it was building up in that way too. Yeah, because it all happened very fast for Tina, right? Like she, mm-hmm. one minute she was volunteering and the next minute she's like in court. Like, I don't know, it, like blink of an eye, she all of a sudden is like a integral part of this uh, nonprofit organization yeah. that, that she was just like casually going to go be a part of because she got an invite. Um, but it's also interesting to think about like, because what we find out in season two is that she went and got re-inseminated. So to her, she almost kind of like moved on. So, but the audience doesn't know that, Bet doesn't know that. And that, that's obviously going to come up a lot later too, I feel in our notes, but it's like knowing that now and looking back at it, you're like, wow, she actually did move on. No. So Bet thinks that she should be grieving, but she's not grieving. She's actually excited and putting yep. energy into making sure like it doesn't go wrong. Yep. Yep. And um, so one of the things, one of the big like focuses of this episode is that Bet's um, artists and the artwork is coming into the CIC. And of course, um, Bet and Candace are having this uh, beginning sexual to, tension. Yeah, the sexual tension and like touch hands. And yeah. Bet tells her, like, I can't do this, you know, just like whatever. Um, but the big thing is, is that they're like building this human shield to like bring the artists and the artwork in. And it ends up getting, you know, heated and they end up getting, being arrested. So like mm-hmm. Bat, Alice, Shane, Dana, Candace, I think that's it. They all get yeah. arrested and mm-hmm. then they end up, you know, going to jail. But in the the meantime, just a side note, because this is, uh, I normally don't watch the whole episode. I normally just watch like the debate scenes, but I was watching the whole episode this time. Mm-hmm. One of the questions I posed on Twitter was Ivan and Kit, this is like when they, when they like um, are starting their relationship, yeah. you know? And I feel like Ivan became an expert on Kit immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out how, I'm trying to figure out like <laughs> how he knew so much about Kit from the beginning because they it was the second time they were meeting and he already knew she had a DUI. And it oh, seems like from there on, like he's just reading her mind. Anyway, did oh. they have a heart to heart though about them both being like maybe alcoholics or like drug abusers? Like- they, they did. They had a, like, they talked about being sober and how long it had been, but like, that's all we saw. And then, um, you know, like they, I think they exchanged contact information. And then next thing you know, like Ivan's coming into, um, coming into the planet and they have this interaction where they go to the CAC together and then they go to the jail together when they find out that they're booked. But the thing that's always, uh, been very fascinating to me about that particular relationship is that, it did move like super quick mm-hmm. with them. And the way it ended was very strange to me. Like it, it like 
the tide shifted so fast. Yeah. Ivan was so open and wanting Kit to like use his place as, you know, like solace and, and like find rust and like do all these things. And she did exactly that. And then boom, like, yeah, it's done. So I feel like there was some more potential that could have happened there. So I was kind of bummed to see that Ivan was actually only a part of like a handful of episodes by the time that relationship yeah. started and ended. I think that has to do with like the time that the show was created and like maybe they didn't know how to work around that storyline at the time and like I don't think it was done well. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Do you have anything you want to add about the um, buildup of them like having this confrontation and then going to jail? Oh, I just feel like with like Bette and Candace, like it just makes me laugh watching because it's like so dramatic and obviously yes, it's a TV show, but it's like you can't keep your hands off of one another. Like it just, I know it's a TV show, but it blows my mind that these like, and Beth's trying so hard to be good. Like she's just trying so hard, but she's just like, that wall is just breaking and crumbling. And Candace is just coming on so intensely. And it's like, in the real world, you would hope that someone wouldn't just like be forcing themselves on you. But, oh, and then the way that when they go into the, when they go into the back of the police car, when they're all like in the van and stuff, the way Bet like falls and she's like, you'll be hearing from my Lord. And then she just so gracefully falls into Candace's lap. And I just like, it was just like perfect timing, like for the way Jennifer like did it and played it and how they all did it. And like, even Alice, you look at Alice and Alice is like, what's happening? Like Alice doesn't really aware, but she's like, there's something weird here. Um, <laughs> Very similar to the look that she gives Beth and Gigi in present day when they have that interaction at the poker table. I actually found in this episode some big similarities to the episode that just aired in Gen Q. I think with Beth bringing up the fact that she cheated on Tina this past week just really struck a nerve with these episodes too. And I think that you could tie a lot of that emotion together. For sure. I think this is like this this relationship this affair is is so difficult to talk about um because i feel like it was probably the most pivotal turn for tibet like period i don't i mean like them becoming parents them getting back together them doing all those things very important parts of their story but like this just took everything to a totally different like took it down a totally different lane that i think many of us watching for the first time probably would have expected mm -hmm. just like it was just so heartbreaking. Like I remember the first time watching it being like that, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? Like it's hard to watch. It's hard. It's like it's really hard to watch because you see, and I think that's a reason why I love Bet so much is I don't, it's not necessarily that I've walked a day in her shoes, but I feel like I've understood her emotions in a way. And I maybe that comes with like age and maturity or something like that. But like there's things where you like look at her face and you see the emotions that Jennifer are putting into Bet and you're like, wow, I felt that, or like, wow, I've I've, I see where that's coming from or like I know someone that maybe has experienced that and it mm -hmm. I don't know it, it makes her more of like a human being and it's like she has her faults and like we you know you can't apologize for everything but yeah she's certainly not perfect and I, I think there it was um powerful present day in uh Gen Q season two episode two that Shane is the one that reminded Bet that she has made mistakes like mm -hmm. No one's perfect and it's true like look at that table that table of, of folks you know Gigi, bet shane uh sophie alice they all have had some major screw-ups mm -hmm. not to mention uh finley being there too like this show is comprised of tons of individuals 
who have really made some fucked up choices and have had to learn lessons like in a really hard way, which I feel like is why a lot of people resonate with the show. For sure. Of course, like we all have our favorites and this podcast is devoted to Tina and Beth and it's, they're important to us. But I think in a lot of ways, especially what we're seeing in this season of Gen Q is we're seeing a much more human side of all of them, uh-huh. a much more relatable side and interesting. Like I'm feeling, and I've read a lot from other people that have said the same thing, that they're really invested in these storylines now. Definitely. And I, I think also talking about Gen Q a little bit, that so many people like kind of went after bet and like i get it like I, it's funny to go after bet because like how how she was acting towards sophie and finley but i i always like the the affair that bet had was very different than the affair that sophie and finley had sure. sophie and finley confessed that they like basically loved each other they had feelings for each other where bet didn't have feelings for candace she was using she was using candace she was using candace to get rid of her pain she was using it as like a you know as a replacement as like a drug almost and as like a way to escape reality type of thing. She wasn't in love with Candace. She never had feelings for Candace. She just had an urge to sleep with Candace sure. where she just always wanted to go back to Tina at the end of the day. And I, I'll bring that up later when we get to the one scene at the at the end of the prison nonsense. But the, the two situations are so different. And I think that maybe when Bet was being judgmental, it was less being judgmental and more being like, I've fucked up my life. And I don't want to see you guys fuck up your life because it sucks. And I'm going, and you will pay for it for the rest of your life. Like, and I think when, when she said that to Sophie, she's saying to Sophie, you did this and now you have to live with it for the rest of your life. For sure. Like it's not going away anymore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But she, um, she, you can tell even, even in Gen Q that like, I would say there's even more pain in her eyes when she talks about it than there was when she like say was having the conversation in season two of the original series like you know I was hurting or I was grieving Mm -hmm. or I was this or I was that like in that sense I feel like she was really just kind of trying to push push it to say like here's my excuse whereas like present day she realizes that it again and that's why I say I think it's like the most pivotal point for them is because it's still such it's so it's so impactful um present day and I also wonder given how serious Bet was when she conveyed that message to Sophie if some of that anxiety or emotions came back which may have mm-hmm. contributed to the divorce um god I good god I hope we get some answers about the divorce <laughs> because we could speculate all day long right but um I feel like it probably still played a big role in their relationship their, their marriage that they had for 10 years oh completely it can it completely did and I think present day bet looks back and is like wow 2004 bet was really stupid because there was no reason to go and sleep with that woman which they were going to have issues regardless bet and Tina but there wouldn't have been that affair that 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 jealousy that um not being able to trust each other portion of it they probably could have overcame that if Tina never didn't feel like she couldn't trust bet yep no totally so they're in jail my favorite part of them being in jail is bet not wanting to give up her sunglasses like the, right after right off the bat because they're all trying to give up something shane doesn't want to give up her cell phone i get that i don't want to give up my cell phone either but bet like is so hung up on these red sunglasses <laughs> and it cracks me up like and then the fact that the the prison guard wears them i didn't catch that i don't think the first time i watched the episode and re-watching it today i was like oh my god she's wearing the sunglasses and taunting her with them 
I love it. You tell Beth's so pissed off too about it. She is so pissed off. She's just so pissed off the minute she like hits that 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 prison. Yeah, for sure. And right. so when Beth and Candace are in this jail cell together, again, like just highlighting like the drama of it all, right? Like Beth can't even sit on the bed next to Candace because she's just too sexually drawn to her, right? And like mm-hmm. they play this dumb alphabet game to like keep themselves <laughs> occupied, which I don't know. <laughs> um, so they do uh, math. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so they're trying, they're like trying to resist the temptation and they have this, um, I don't even know, what would you call this sexual interaction that they have? They kind of- ghostly, I don't even know what you would say. To me, Beth had more chemistry with that wall than she did yes. with this, but that's a whole different story, I guess. Um, no, she definitely did. I wrote that down. I was like, wow, Jennifer can make Jen- well first of all Jennifer looks so like a sad puppy up against the wall at first and then bravo to Miss Spiels for this acting she can make a wall have like sexual tension yeah. <laughs> it's so true um and also just like it, it, this is Beth's responsibility Beth is the one that was in the relationship whatever but also just like shame on Candace at the same time like what girl what are you doing number one if if Tina hadn't seen the affair happened in the next episode okay let's let's mm-hmm. like take that out of the equation candace is friends is exes with yolanda the word would have spread yolanda would have gotten in contact with somebody who was in their group therapy you know maybe she would have gotten in touch with oscar mm-hmm. and then next thing you know tina would have known like there's no way this was going to stay a secret no so i just it's so messy lesbians are messy yes and this the show highlights that I feel like yeah, great representation. The OG series has the best representation. I I can't believe Gen Q has messed it up so much. <laughs> Hashtag representation matters. Um, all right, so <laughs> yeah, so we have that weird um, ghost sex scene that goes on in the jail, and uh, the next thing that we see is Tina and gang, Tina and Franklin and Kit. And Ivan and all these folks mm-hmm. are at uh, the jail waiting to get them out. Mm-hmm. And, um, Tina couldn't pick up her phone because her and Oscar were at a soup kitchen. Right. Which, I mean, I guess in 2004, like, phones weren't a big deal. Like, if your phone was, you know, you just checked your phone later yeah. at a soup kitchen. <laughs> More important things to do. Exactly. You have a prison calling you or anything. Yeah. And as Amber just graciously highlighted to us today on Twitter that when Beth introduced Tina to Candace, Candace shook Tina's hand with the hand that she was using to touch herself in the jail cell. Yeah. What Amber specifically said was her diddle hand. <laughs> Not that. Not that. That was so funny. Amber's the funniest. Amber makes me laugh every day. Whether she knows it or not, I'm laughing. Um, well, I do have to say, though, the minute Beth sees Tina, puppy dog face no what no like no no one that she could possibly love more like it doesn't matter that she just had weird ghost sex against a wall she wants to come home to tina and then she does that's the thing it, it's it has never ever ever once been about like bet not loving tina yeah consistently since day one that we've known Bet porter there has not been a day time or place that she's not loved tina she loves her immensely she would do anything for her except like 
in a lot of ways work on herself and work on her yes. shit and that's always she's always been her biggest she's always been her worst enemy uh-huh 100 always 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 um in some ways i would argue to say that bet loved tina more than tina loved bet i still think that- i will i will die on a i don't know what the saying is but i will die on a hill, a hill? <laughs> yeah about that bet loves tina more than tina loves bet and it doesn't mean that tina doesn't love bet it's just that when bet there's just something about it like that can't bet can't live without tina obviously tina has proved that she could live a life without bet and even though she misses her and loves her bet like crumbles that like needs her that 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 support beam um in almost like a pathetic way but in like a really beautiful way um i do want to point out though that bet did say in the jail cell that she hasn't smoked since she was 12 and then went on to be a chain smoker in season two just wanted to put that out there i just saw the note and just wanted to make sure everyone knew that hasn't smoked since she was 12 becomes a chain smoker (laughs) i love when shit like this happens another another fave is when they when bet it when Beth says in season one that Tina is a practical gift giver and then Tina sends Shane flowers for her 40th birthday in Gen Q there's some plot holes that we need to talk about here there's some so there's some inconsistencies in what we know to be true about our characters that show up later and if you talk to um some of the more extremists of the fandom they'll give you a thousand reasons we're obviously more concerned about the very technical things here <laughs> we are we're very we're very technical about these things um <laughs> Um, what else um oh and i do have to say not not to bet related but i did tweet this is one of the first things i tweeted about when i joined stan twitter was that the prison guard when they're leaving the jail cell her hair is a hot mess it is these (laughs) weird flipped up curls it is so i'm like she looks like willy wonka and i i I die every time i witness this woman on my like and she's just glaring at them like, who, who are you to be in jail? Well, who are you to have that hair? <laughs> oh, let's look. Yeah. Check it out. The very end, you said? Yeah, it's right when Bet is right. Well, Shane and Alice walk out and then Bet walks out. Okay. And Tina's standing there. You got to look at this woman's hair. Sorry, I'm not fast forward. Because then that's basically the end of the episode. Sure. Oh, and they of course bring Candace home. That's one. No, no. Oscar brings Candace home because Candace lives in Silver Lake and Oscar lives in Los Feliz, which are right next to each other. Right, that's right, that's right. But Tina was ready to bring Candace home. She was ready to drive a whole extra 20 minutes out of the way to bring this bring this adulteress home. (laughs) Wait, what did Amber call her once? The on the show, the home wrecking plumber or something like that? The home wrecking whore. (laughs) The home wrecking whore. That's her legal name. All right, I'm watching now. The woman in the white shirt. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. It's What's not, the time code? Tell not, everyone the time code. Time code is on Hulu at least. Hold on. And Hulu start about 39.49. Tina's in her sheer top hugging Dana and you get a crystal clear view of this woman holy smokes who did that somebody jumped somebody jumped on set without talking to hair or makeup that's what happened that's the only explanation no one gave this woman clearance to come (laughs) that season five hair is better than that (laughs) or maybe it's better than bet season five hair oh man oh boy oh yeah 
Well, that is the episode. Um, that is the episode. There's nothing. There's not. It wasn't a big Tibet episode. It was mainly Bat. We only saw Tina briefly, um, in her sheer top twice. Yes. Um, but next episode, next episode is going to be a doozy. Next episode is going to be a doozy. I'm ready though. I've been. Pre- I you know I've been prepping for this for weeks. Yes, I know. I have been. I've been prepping for next week for weeks because it is a hot topic. It's a controversial topic, and I'm ready. Yep totally i'm ready to fight yeah i know not with you but (laughs) i know i think we have the same opinion on this one but we do we are nearing the end of season one and we're heading into well we will eventually get there we're not we're taking a break on the podcast but i am excited for season two of the original series season two is actually one of my favorites a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions on helena and tina i have a very soft spot in my heart for them like i said I very much enjoy Tina kind of finding her feminist wings again in season two. And I also just think like Laurel Holloman acted her ass off when she was friendly. Oh, she did such 100%. a phenomenal job. So I am excited to jump into that. Um, but we got one more episode to get through. So we'll, we'll do, we're going to do that together. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I didn't mention my favorite bet line from this episode. Go ahead. I know you're bit real busy saving the world, but I need you to start answering your phone. I love my dramatic bet. And she's just so pressed about it. I know you're real busy saving the world, but I need you to start answering your phone. You know that, and that is always the thing that blows my mind is like so many people had such a hard time with bet in season one of Gen Q, right? Like they said, like, that's not bet. She's not dramatic. She's not emotional. She's not have we watched the same show? Beth Porter has been an emotional pistol from the beginning. Oh, yeah. And what I love about that line is I would say that. A lot of the things Beth would say, I would say. But I would say it sarcastically. Sure. She actually means it. She does. <laughs> totally. Totally. All right. So next time we'll wrap up uh, season one and um, probably talk more because we got we, we, we are going to continue to see Jibet or BG. Um, anybody who's caught up present day knows that that's the current relationship that Betson is with Gigi. So we'll probably have some things to mention because we're going to continue to see their relationship, whatever may come for the future, kind of unfold. So Jibet Nation rise. Jibet Nation, BG. <laughs> oh, the BGs. BGs, yes. Um, so this has been- Jibet until Tibet. Oh, sorry. Now I'm coming. Tibet until Tibet. Yeah, that is good. Amber coined that that coined that one. That's a good hashtag. So this has been episode 21 of All Things Tibet. I'm Brittany. I'm Francesca. And we'll see you next time. Bye.